0: Welcome to Florida Basketball Hour. I am Neil Blackman. On this show, I am going to have a conversation with Mark Wise, analyst from ESPN and SEC Network. We're going to talk about all things Gators basketball. As many of you might know, Mark used to do color with Mick Hubert on the Gator Basketball Network. Uh, We now have Lee Humphrey, as Mark has moved on to uh, the ESPN family of networks. But it was great to catch up with Mark And um, we hope you guys enjoy it. We'll also discuss in our conversation with Mark Florida's exhibition victory over Embry-Riddle this week as they get prepared to start their season against Elon on November 9th right in Gainesville at the O'Connell Center at Zach Tech Arena. So thank you all for listening and enjoy our chat with Mark. So we welcome in Mark Wise, the SEC network and ESPN basketball analyst, former color commentator for the Florida Gators with Mick Hubert in the national championship years. Mark, welcome. (laughs)
1: Certainly, you brought in some mid-major transfers. Um, how do they adjust to the next level? And then also, you're dealing with a group that really hasn't played together before. Um, is that a unique challenge for Mike White? Or do you think having young teams that he kind of had to wait to gel maybe prepares them for that a little bit? Or is it totally different? Well, asked question uh, because. Because of the transfer portal, everybody's going to go through the same thing. There's a couple of things that I think are worth noting as a relevance to your question. roster management in this upcoming season and getting the free extra COVID year, if you will. I think most coaches are going to um, have three or four transfers from now on. Uh, I don't think this is anything new. I think we're going to spend more time talking about the transfers in a program than we are the freshmen, I think. next nice. to be an elite. They wanted the computers to like them on defense again. Um, it's kind of how he he joked about it. They brought in guys that were defensive players of the year in, in mid-major leagues. How that translates to the SEC, particularly for a guy like Brandon McKissick, I think we we can kind of wait and see. But is there that potential to return to being really, really good on defense this season in Gainesville? Well, Let's take let's... that question first. In order to be good defensively, I think you have to have these three agreements. Number one is you have to have great length. I think all great defensive teams and that have, with teams that you talked about uh and earlier on in the Mike White Air you have to have good team speed. Uh, and then lastly you have to have a commitment to playing defense. Florida is extreme this particular roster, extremely average in length, maybe a little bit better in what? Uh-huh. got defensive rebounds. Myers, and they played some people. But do you think that that there will be, you know, by March, Mike has consistently played like seven guys. Um, you know, you know that he, he trims his rotation down like a lot of coaches do. Um, right. You know, do you think it's a longer bench, just trying to find a combination that can rebound? Maybe it's maybe it's DeRuji, Castleton, and, and Fleming a lot. Maybe uh, it's some combination of Felder and Deruji on the floor at the same time. You know, and then you, you get your guards out there to score. You know, do you think that's something that that Mike will try to look at? Well, I think he's going to go through the entire roster. He's sure, I think everybody does. But when I look at the size and the girth of these guys, if you play DeRuji, uh at the floor, he's one kind of rebounder. If you take Castleton off the floor, which he played 25 minutes the other night, so that's 15 minutes you're playing without Castleton, uh, and Chitov will play eight of those in the other 7 minutes and one of the reasons why you play an exhibition game is it gives you a chance to flirt around with combinations and they actually had DeRougie and Melbourne on the floor at the same time but do I see those guys as effective rebounders And before we could get you on, and, you know, I kind of, and as somebody that coaches basketball myself, I, I learned a lot listening to you and Mick. Um, <laughs> Thank you know, you. Thank and, and I, I, I've always appreciated your kind of ability to to be succinct and let the game breathe on TV and radio. Um, but but you know, you have this this kind of precise way of of delivering uh, with clarity what's happening on the floor without uh, over explaining it, and so. Maybe you can do that from the bird's eye view of Mike White's program, because you know there's a lot of people that are critical, and I think sometimes uh, you know that the forest gets lost on the trees. And, uh, you know, you, you've, right. got, you've, you've still got a program that's, that's advancing at the NCAA tournament, that's getting to the NCAA right. tournament, um, and it has overcome a, a ton of injuries. He's been a little bit snake bit, hasn't he? Well, I mean, George, the Johnson thing was just uh, it's sad, tragic, unworldly, unbelievable, whatever it is it did be to it. So for that particular team to lose their best player, the player that was going to be preseason If you make the surgent a little bit. goes, okay I, I, okay, I get it. What about Kentucky? Would you like to know what That text, I think. Um, starts on the 9th against Elon uh, on that game, and the journey begins. The, the Mar- March Madness, last time I checked, they do not hand out the bids on November 9th. So if you don't hand out the bids until March, let's enjoy November, December, January. Yeah, no, I couldn't, couldn't agree more with that, Mark. And I guess I'll, I'll close with this. We saw some of this five-out offense uh, against Embry Riddle little bit. Yeah. Um, I thought we saw more of a commitment to, to cutting and moving off the ball than, than we have seen to some extent recently. Although, again, in their defense, I think last year they had to revamp the entire offense when the Keontae draft occurred. Uh, do, do you get the sense they're comfortable with where they are offensively? year where it's five, six guys that, that average 10 a night. Well, I think this team, this team has a definite chance to be more balanced offensively. I don't think there's any question about that. You know, Myron Jones goes over six uh, from beyond the arc. Uh, the other night he's their best three-point shooter, and again, they, they, they beat eight threes in the second half. So Spark gives him a kind of emotional depth. He knows, just like everybody knows, he's got work by his assistant turnover ratio. I think it was 1 to 1 or 82 to 72 assistant turnovers last year. And um, he was 7 and 2 the other night. 7 assists and 2 turnovers, which is. was Lane because he's so good defensively. Oh, I know what you asked me. I mean I didn't to not to interrupt. But, um yes, they ran more action off the ball. They were a ball screen that has been a ball screen heavy dominated offense in the half court the last three or four years. Um and I saw more action off the ball. I think what I call three way action has to be part of your offensive arsenal. Every no, no matter what program. And what I mean by three way action is that there are three players going in three different directions. All kind of close together to create some natural screening, hard to guard, tough to switch kind of action. Uh, Florida did a little bit of that the other night, not a whole lot, but they certainly did a whole lot more uh, off the ball, which I kind of like. Uh, I don't know that they'll become Davidson for Tennessee, who runs a lot of the Davidson action. Your time, and I hope uh, folks can catch you uh, calling plenty of college basketball games for ESPN this off season. I know uh, we we we, had, we enjoyed having you for so long with Nick. Um, you know we love having Lee Humphrey too. But uh, it's good to, it's good to hear you and talk you. Gators, Gators yeah, basketball with you. you. I only know uh, my November schedule right now, so um, I go I have the game I Kentucky Friday. i uh, have to think about this, and then I got uh, back. Florida, then I have Tennessee, and then I have Kentucky, and, and that's as far as my schedule is out right now, so I'll be on the SEC network a lot, and then they'll media through the ESPN family and networks on different games, so excited to be part of it, was excited to be courtside the other night, um, had, hadn't been courtside since January 2nd of last year, wow, um, was excited to have, even as loud as the band was the other night, <laughs> excited to have the band and the roundies right behind me, so... Um, uh,
0: that's all good, and, and looking forward to just a great basketball season. Uh, we are too, Mark. Thanks, uh, thanks for everything, and enjoy the family and the holidays coming up. Thank you again. All right, y'all. So just a couple of uh, notes after the Mark Wise interview. Obviously some uh, audio stuff with uh, Mark being in a phone um, phone interview and not the normal platforms that we use but uh, thank you for listening um, as far as uh, wrapping things up on the Embry riddle game uh, florida 80 57 winners um, obviously pretty big night from brandon mckissick transfer from missouri kansas city 25 minutes goes five or eight for deep five of eight uh from downtown 20 points Overall, so a big night from him. I really thought Anthony Deruji uh, was just terrific with 16 points and seven rebounds. Although, uh, again, it's notable that that Deruji fouled out. Uh, I kind of have to be a little bit concerned at how quickly he was able to foul foul out of the game. Colin Castleton played 25 minutes. Didn't play very well. Uh, Just two and nine from the floor. He did hit one, three, um, and was five of eight at the line. So Drew Conkert most of that in the second half. 10 points, nine rebounds for Colin. Uh, he had a block. Florida did block five shots um, and had a bunch of guys that that came in and blocked them. Um, Jason Dutoba led the team with two blocks. Uh, in terms of minutes played, the Gators had one, two, three, six guys over 20 minutes, led by Tyree Appleby, who did not start but came off the bench and gave Florida a nice spark, 13.7 assist, uh, you know, only two turnovers for, for Tyrese, or for a guy that was one to one in assisted turnover ratio. Whatever you think of that statistic, uh, much better to be seven to two. Um, I would I would certainly take that every day of the week. I also thought, you know, it is good. I mean, yes, they're playing a, a division two team. They're playing a good one, but still a division team, two team. But Florida with only nine turnovers in their first uh, outing, after averaging fifteen in a game last season, that's a that's a good sign. They also had 18 assists. Um, they averaged only 11.7 last season, which was a low under Mike White. So I think a couple of good things there. And the ball movement was really crisp. I thought especially Florida's ball reversals were very, very good, um, which is an excellent sign against a couple of the defenses um, that Florida will face this year that really like to force ball reversals. Seton Hall, a potential team they'll play in Fort Myers, loves to do that defensively. Uh, Frank Martin in South Carolina famous for that approach defensively Tennessee likes to force you to reverse the basketball um, when they ice screens which they did on 17 percent of screening possessions last year according to HoopLens. so I think just a bunch of the LSU ice the screens all the time but they don't really defend anyone so we could throw them in there too you know in a world where they defended they they would force ball reversals more um, in terms of Other good performances, I I liked what I saw from Flan Fleming. Uh, Y'all, I thought that even though he only had nine points and was three to eight from the field, he definitely got to the rack um, very comfortably. And I think Florida would take eight from six, eight and six from him. Florida had four guys in double figures and almost five. Um, I think that's going to be more of what this team's identity is than a big-time leading scorer. The Gators only um, shot 22% from three-point range in the first half. Uh, I love the volume of threes that they took, 37. I think that's good with a team like this. They make 42% of them. Uh, that's a good number you're going to – or they end up making 42% of them in the second half, but 32% overall. Um, you want to be a little more consistent on the triple, obviously, but but a good number, especially on a night where Myron Jones went over six, as we've talked about on previous podcasts. Myron's going to have nights for like that um most every Gator uh well every Gator got to play because Alex Klatsky and Jack May got in at the end of the game Elijah Kennedy uh bombed away a three in his two minutes um two on gap kick had a big dunk uh we got 11 minutes out of Niles Lane 12 on of Kwasi Reeves uh who was one of six from the field and and looked like a freshman out there at times we saw Uh, Niles Lane with some nice takes of the basket, but he couldn't finish, um, which I think he's going to have to do if he wants to get uh, on the floor. We did not really see the new jump shot uh, from Niles, but certainly uh, he's going to need to make shots. and If he wants to contribute consistently, he knows that. But, um, you know, a little less of C.J. Felder, I think, than we expected. But then again, some of that might be a conditioning thing. We saw late in the game where, a big guy like Feller had a breakaway opportunity for a dunk and, and settled for a layup, whether he left his feet too early or got caught up in the air. I'm not really sure uh, what that was all about. But those are just a couple notes um, from the Embry-Riddle game. Florida opens the season on Tuesday night against Elon. Elon out of the Colonial Athletic Conference. They went 10-9 and 9 last year. They've been picked to finish right in the middle of the Colonial Athletic Association. Um, in the year to come, you know, and I think when we talk about a program like Elon that isn't necessarily new to the division one ranks, but newer, I guess, is, is probably the right way of uh, of bringing up Elon. The Phoenix, um, you know, finished the year really strong. They won their last seven games um, and then fell to Drexel uh, in the conference tournament. Um, they've got a really nice score in junior guard, Hunter McIntosh who averaged 16 points a game last year. Um, Darius Burford and Hunter Woods are two other big scores that are back. Hunter Woods, uh, really good player in the front court, um, averaged eight and seven and a block last season. Um, I think the biggest thing is just how are they depth wise? Um, And how are they health-wise? They have an electric scorer named Jared Gillens Butler who could really help them compete at the top of the Colonial. If he's healthy, he averaged 16 points a game last year before he got hurt. Um, We'll see, you know, how that comes along for them. They also had a three-star recruit named Jaden Michael um, who was a high three-star kid and and ended up getting hurt um, last year as well and needing off-season shoulder surgery whether he's recovered from that could kind of tell the tale about them. Um, So we'll dive more into Elon when Eric Fawcett joins me for the remainder of the next show, but just wanted to get these final notes as it relates to the Emory Riddle scrimmage and the Elon game out there. uh, So that they rather for consumption. Uh, Thanks for listening and hope you guys enjoy the show.